Random Inks Productions presents the Credible Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Mark. What's up, my nerd? Welcome, everyone, to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm your host today as we break down and talk about the first three episodes of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. So welcome to our podcast, and as always, I have my fellow bounty hunter, fellow Mandalorian, Mark. This is the way. (laughs) So it's been a while since we've talked about The Mandalorian, but we've been watching it. Don't you worry. It's good stuff. So we're going to break down the first three episodes a little bit, probably summarize them and we want to talk about what we like about them, but also where we think, you know, episode four, or I guess chapter four is going to go, chapter five, you know, where this season is headed. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then after this season's over, we'll do a, a chapter by chapter breakdown and talk about, you know, each of the, the episodes in a little more depth. But for now, we want to talk about just summarize the first three and, and see what happens. So Comparing season two to season one, Mark, what are kind of your overall takeaway? Like, is season two better? Or is it the same? What are your first impressions comparing this one to the last season? Um, I think it's better. And this is why. In season one, it was really the shock factor, right? Like the beginning was just amazing, right? He walks in, gets in some bar fight, gets some guy chopped in half with some amazing Mandalorian skills, right? We saw some cool some cool scenes, like some really bounty hunter scenes, and it was just so brand new and just eye-opening. It was cool, right? And no, lack of a better word. And then we get into season two, and you've seen it, you know what to expect. You know what he is. You know what he's doing. You know, you got baby Yoda t- toting about, yada, yada. And then you get into it and you're just as hyped as it was in season one. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching the first season two. I was like, that was easily as good as the first episode. And because of that, it's better than the first season because you still like that wow factor or the writing or whatever you want to say is so good that it's like, hooking you know just keeping you hooked and loving it like it's a brand new thing every episode and and so for me that that makes it better that you can continue into a second season and still give people like that wonder that awe yeah and i do think the danger of having a hit season one is that season two is kind of the same thing and i've seen that in shows past but you know this one uh it continues the story it moves the story forward it has a goal you know you the mandalorian's gonna find where the jedi are where baby yoda needs to go and that's his goal so you have a direction which is great and one one criticism i have a i do have of season one is that they kind of kept going back to that same planet in the beginning you know where the mandalorian base was and so he'd leave and then come back then leave then come back but this one, he leaves. I think he does come back at some point, but he's gone. He's gone. He went to Tatooine. Then he went to another planet. And then he went to another planet. You know, so it's just expanding this Mandalorian world, this story, so much. Um, 
we haven't, outside of Tatooine, we haven't seen any of these other planets in the saga before. So I think that's great. So not only are they expanding in The Mandalorian, they're expanding Star Wars in general and just making it more rich, deeper, more impactful. So I, I definitely appreciate that for this, this start of season two. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I kind of have really liked, I know it was you know kind of weird, but uh, episode two, you had, I don't know, some fish people. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're called. Chapter three. Uh, what? Chapter three. Is it chapter three? I thought it was two. Well, two is the ice was... planet. Yeah, but that's when he's like, you know, shipping her oh, around. Yeah, fish, fish lady or what? Frog lady or whatever yeah. she is. Yeah, you're right. Whatever you're right. she is. Oh, and like baby Yoda's like eating eggs and everyone's like, oh, that's cute. And then you realize it's babies and you're like, oh, that's weird, but it's still cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but what I kind of liked about it is that you get this feel in in the original Star Wars that there's 10 million species and somehow they either all speak English or somehow they all understand each other. Like they got, you know, Im- implants in that can, you know, make it so everyone can understand each other, whatever it is. But now you have species that you just don't understand and the characters don't understand them. Like as widespread traveled and, and you know, advanced as this country are, you still have species that he's like, I, I don't know what you're saying, but she understands technology enough still that she can make it so that he, she can talk through a robot, you know, and, and communicate. And that was pretty cool to me because, you know, it's kind of like you get into that Star Trek thing and even star, you know, the Star Wars thing where it's like, uh, you know, we're in the universe, everyone speaks English. You know what I mean? We've never so, been to this planet before, but they speak English too. Great. Yeah. What do you know? What are the chances? And so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of neat that they did that. I, I really appreciated that little, uh, detail. I know it's, I, I don't know what the point of it was. I just appreciated it. Yeah, definitely. So starting out with chapter one, uh, he goes back to Tatooine. He's looking for the bounty hunter. That's the Mandalorian, I guess that's on Tatooine and he's led to this village and you see this guy show up wearing Boba Fett's armor from Return of the Jedi, right? And so we all thought Boba Fett was dead. He got eaten by the Sarlacc. There's, you know, comics and stories that are like, what if he survived? You know, we've had those throughout the last 20 years or 30 years. So to see that actually, you know, be canonized, like, yep, Boba Fett survived. At least his armor did. At least initially, that's what we learned. Um, We see someone else wearing it. So how cool was that? Did you appreciate that? Was that something you wanted to see? Are you a Boba Fett fan? Or is you like, oh, whatever. You know, how did how did that start right? What were your take on Boba Fett's armor that we saw in the first chapter? I think that was the most, uh, how do you, uh, expected surprise that we could get. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, it, I think it was like unwritten common knowledge that he was coming back. I, there's been a lot of rumors about it, uh, a lot of half answers from the Star Wars community, you know, like from the writers and stuff that are like, oh, no, he's not alive, you know, and then they touch your nose type thing. So I, I think people expected it. I didn't expect him to be separated from his armor. And then when he was, I was kind of like, OK, well, maybe maybe he died or or whatever it is. And then then you see him at the end of the episode. and You're like, oh, uh one, why, 
why isn't he with his armor? Two, what the heck's he been doing for X amount of years? Uh, and three, we hear the only way to ever uh, kill one or get rid of one is to eat it. So what did he, he just eat for the next 20 years and eat his way out? I mean, I don't know. Right? We don't know how he got out. I, I assume we'll hear about it, uh, more about it. But it was pretty, pretty cool. I'm, I'm actually kind of bummed we're now going into, you know, episode four, chapter four, whatever we want to call it. And we haven't seen him again. And we saw him for two seconds in one episode, yeah. but waiting. <laughs> yeah. The biggest cliffhanger of the season. And yet we haven't gone back to it yet. So I, yeah, I was expecting him to show up at the end of chapter two. I guess it's so they didn't like restart the order. So it's the first episodes, chapter nine and then 10 and 11. So I was expecting in chapter 10 that Boba Fett would show up and be like, he would help Mandalorian and baby Yoda escape that ice cave. Like that was my thought that that's what would happen. And then he didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I thought, well, they'd find him on this new planet, the water planet in the next chapter. But then the other Mandalorian showed up. So I just keep waiting for it to happen. <laughs> it's not, it's not happening yet. So hopefully soon, uh, at the end of chapter 11, they teased Ahsoka Tano, which is, if you're not aware, you probably are, but she's a character from the animated series The Clone Wars, as well as Star Wars Rebels. She's a major player in those uh, series. So we're finally going to get to get the live action for Ahsoka Tano. Um, and it's probably 30 years later from since we last saw her, 20 years. 30 years since The Clone Wars, I believe. Um, and 10 or 15 for Rebels. So it's it's been some time that's passed, and I'm curious to see what kind of look she has, what her attitude is. Um, Bo-Katan referred to her as, as a Jedi, but we know from the Clone Wars, she's not a Jedi. She left the Jedi Order. She's a Force user, but she's not a Jedi. So, you know, how does where's her loyalty lie? She's just trying to hide out and escape or is she going to take another active role step up and you know do the right thing so to say and how is she going to treat baby yoda she wasn't a fan of papa yoda in in the movies like in uh the clone wars she was kind of cold towards him in the last few episodes of of the clone wars and so i i wonder how she's going to treat this baby yoda that shows up that's a force user is she going to train him she going to be the master to this young Yoda creature or, or what, what's going on with that? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that, that's a real good question. I mean, I think, you know, her time as a Padawan master type of relationship is done. I mean, I think she'll offer guidance, you know, like what she, like if he was older, he would offer, she would offer like a certain amount of guidance, you know, as far as, any type of training and stuff. But I think when him this young, it's like, look, you got to find his people, but I have no idea what Osaka Tana knows about Yoda's people. I mean, it's been, we've seen Yaddle, Yaddle, Yoda, and like one other in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic 10,000 years ago. <laughs> I mean, we just don't know anything really about them. So I don't know what information she would have actually have um i think she might know 
it's kind of hard. Is she going to be a major player? Is she not? Is she going to be somewhere like, oh, well, thanks for finding me. Uh, there's some weird holocron buried in the most dangerous place in ever because I just decided to leave it there. So you need to go there, you know, and yeah. defend yourself. Another the dark quest, side. right? Yeah. And, and then that's all we do. It's just kind of like one of those Easter eggs, you know, and, and I probably, probably for me, that is the most, the biggest drawback from the show because it's so nostalgic and so cool that there's all these easter eggs <laughs> and it's almost like easter egg frenzy you know like you're you're seeing like old you know characters in there you know species in there and you know background you know things and yada yada and I, I think that's neat and all but I feel like it's getting to a point where it might be distracting or taking away from what the Mandalorian can do by itself. I mean, we get it, it's in the Star Wars world, but it's its own story, so let it be its own story. Um, so, I mean, that's probably one. And then the second one are these, we could have eight episodes or nine episodes of freaking season. We don't need filler episodes. And I, th I, I posted this on our, our page, you know, it's like no more, no more Easter eggs and spider eggs, right? Just give us good story. I mean, I want to advance the story because we don't have many episodes to advance the story in. So if you have nine episodes a season and four of them are filler stories, then half your season is not doing anything for you. Yeah, that is a worry that I have too, because I did feel that chapter uh, 10 uh, where they... He goes to the ice planet. Um, and I found out, I didn't realize this, but that's the same planet that he was on in the very first episode when he gets that bounty hunter and, you know, the the ice monster tries to eat his ship. That's that same planet. So he goes back there and I was like, yeah, I get it. He's trying to hide from the, the rebels, but, and then there's this, I mean, the sequence where the spider things are chasing him, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a cool episode regardless. It's intense. It's exciting. It's funny. But what does it serve for the overall story? That's my question. I The only thing I can think of is he builds this relationship with the rebel pilots, and then they come back later and help him. I mean, I don't know. That's really the only takeaway I get out of it. The plot point of having the frog lady take him to the other planet that didn't need a, a whole episode of, you know, a side story. He could have did, the next episode could have just been they arrive at this water planet and that's it. That could have been the second episode. We didn't need this um, side mission, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it builds some rapport and it's got some cute parts in it, you know, but I mean, like you said, it could have just been easily like, uh, look, our point is to get from point A to point B. He needs to get here. And then, you know, he's going to find someone that will tell him about Mandalorians and then try to trap him and drown him or something. But, uh, um, you didn't, yeah, you don't need a whole crazy episode about that. Uh, just it's too much. And it was a long episode. It was, I think it's the longest of the three episodes that have come out. <laughs> it was like the least, uh, the least good, the least well done yeah. one as far as story. Yeah. And, uh, so it was just kind of bummer. And then the last one was great. There's a heck of a lot of a story, a lot of awesomeness in it. And it was the shortest episode of all three episodes. So <laughs> kind of uh, drawing back, just like, you know, a little bit of not red flags, just some warning signs like, okay, um, let's 
let's go from here. And obviously they're going to do what they're going to do. And I'm going to watch it regardless, but too much of that will push viewers away. I feel like. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Right now it has this must see TV, uh, feel to it. Like everybody's talking about it. People are staying up till 2am to watch it when it comes out on Disney plus for the first time, the first few minutes, you know, everybody's wants to see it as soon as they can. But if you, like you said, if they start having too many filler episodes, it's going to be like, well, I'll watch it tomorrow or I'll watch it next week. You know, no biggie. Cause it's just, it's not as exciting. So that is the danger that they have to, uh, watch out for. But so like you were saying, this last episode, uh, the chapter 11 was the most exciting one. It had a lot of story, a lot of cool things to it. So he finally finds the Mandalorians and it's character, well, it's one character that we've seen in the Clone Wars, as well as Star Wars Rebels, Bo-Katan. Uh, what did you think of these three Mandalorians showing up and their impact on this story? Did you catch right away, oh yeah, that's that one girl from the Clone Wars, or was it something you had to look up online and research it, or what was your experience seeing that? So I couldn't remember offhand, but I was like, that that's she's familiar. Like that I I know I've heard this name before. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, you know, that now I remember. Um so I mean, I'm sure other people that are a little bit into the Star Wars, you know, fandom, it like knew right off hand. Like I'm sure you saw it and you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Um but but that was pretty cool tie-in. Uh I I enjoyed that to see more Mandalorians and to see why they're so dangerous. I mean, we see the one Mandalorian and how awesome he is by himself, but you put four together and I mean, they just, they fight in a crew that just totally complements each other. And I mean, even, even Mando was complimenting them and they've never even fought together. It's just their tactics are just so above and beyond that it, I mean, you can see how dangerous the Mandalorians really can be as a unit. And, um, and that, that was just really neat uh, to see, and I mean, we got to see, we got to hear and and visit some more lore about Mandalorians. You know why, why he has his mask on all the time. Why we've seen other other Mandalorians take him off. Um, I read a lot about like, oh, that was an easy way to plug a, a plot hole that that they created themselves. But it, even if it's an easy way to do it, it was really well done and really well explained. Like, oh, that's a fanatic group, and he would have no idea if he's you know a foundling grown up in this you know, fanatic group. I I think it was a a great way to explain it off and a a great way to lead to eventually him taking off the helmet and, um, or, or not. Right. I I just think it's, it's neat to see. Yeah. Yeah. It added so much more depth to this story. It was a twist for me. Like I was aware of uh, Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians on some of their backstory. And I was wondering why were they able to take off their helmets earlier in these previous episodes from the Clone Wars and stuff, but now it's not okay to take off your helmet. So I was wondering why, what changed and how long has it been? You know, what's the deal there? So in this episode, they finally explained that, that like you said, he was part of this uh, religious fanatical group and they don't take off their helmets. So I'm curious to see where that group came from, what their role is with Mandalore and their overall Mandalorian picture. 
So that just made me even more curious about what's going to happen down the road because they're going to have to address it at some point. They can't just leave it like this and be like, oh, yeah, they're just a different group. And they called them the Watch and Children of the Watch. And immediately my thought process went to Death Watch, is the group that we saw in the Clone Wars. They, they broke off from the main culture of Mandalore because they didn't agree with their pacifist ways and they wanted to use their army to control and, you know, repel invaders and be a little more aggressive in their their negotiations and stuff. And so Bo-Katan, she was part of the Death Watch. So I don't think the Death Watch and the Watch are the same. They may have been part of one group at, at the beginning and then they split up because obviously Death Watch is a little more... Uh, menacing than just the watch so it's got to be two different groups so i'm curious to see where that whole storyline goes with you know don't remove your helmet this is the way so Mm -hmm. and you kind of get the sense of how different these different tribes or clans i I, what do they call them are they called tribes or clans clans so how, how different these clans are from each other i mean here you've got i mean and and it's just like what you would see in a normal community right uh you got a group of people but you got also different subcultures within a community and they they span very heavily like when you think mandalorian you think like this is the way that's it you know they're all the same but i mean they're splintered in different ideologies than as anybody and you know their armors are different and i'm sure their fighting styles are different um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they all come together. And, you know, I also wonder, you know, like, I, I think kind of the idea behind this, I was reading into it was that um, Mando's main, like his group is kind of like, we want to go back to the old ways, you know, what made us strong, where we came from, you know, I, I wonder if he'll have a big role in playing, you know, to, to bring, to bring back those fanatical groups, you know, to, um, really kind of start bringing people together. Like, yeah, you know, this, this is the way, you know, this is where we came from. And, and yeah, that's and, a good point. That's a good question. Is Mando going to be the catalyst to reestablish that culture as the dominant culture in Mandalore? You know, you know, what's going to happen there. And then I wonder how Boba Fett's going to fit into this. You know, he, they went out of their way to point it out in, the Clone Wars that Boba Fett's not a Mandalorian. He wears the armor, but he's not a Mandalorian. So when he shows up again, how are they going to treat him? Is he going to be part of the group or is he just this random guy that wears, that stole their armor, you know? So I'm curious to see how that plays out. What what about his father? Was his father Mandalorian? Yeah. No, no, sorry. No, he's not. Um, they were actually talking about Jango in the Clone Wars, saying he's not okay. a Mandalorian, but Boba Fett's basically Jango. I mean, he's a clone of Jango. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, we don't know what happened, right? We don't really know what happened to Boba Fett after Jango died. We just, I mean, he grabs his father. He sees, as far as we know, he could have become a foundling after that well, and been adopted. He, he, in the Clone Wars, he does become a bounty hunter. Like, he hangs out with Bosk and... Uh, some of those guys so and then he gets captured by mace windu and imprisoned 
at the end of the Clone Wars. And after that, we don't know what happened. What a wimp. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. Do we, yeah, like you said, like, where did he come from? Is Does he have some sort of crazy ancient armor? You know, I mean, I know we know about the lightsaber, but someone's going to know the history of the armor. Uh, seems like they know the history of everything. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, interesting to see him come back and um what side's he on right i mean he's always been kind of on the the dark side but i'm kind of sure like he's been on the dark side out of necessity like if vader came up to me and says i need your help it's like well i ain't gonna say no so yes you know what i mean so i i, I don't know where he'll fit in it'll be it's gonna be fun fun more what we have five more six more episodes um there's a lot. I, for me, I think what we're, we're going to definitely see Ahsoka Tano. Um, we're, I think we're going to see a, a Moff Gideon Ahsoka Tano sh- showdown. Yeah. Or a Bo-Katan Moff Gideon showdown. Oh, yeah. She's after the well, Darksaber. That's what we learned in this episode. She wants it. Moff Gideon has it. Yeah. I mean, and if he's not... Uh, and Ahsoka Tano's involved, you know another Force wielder has to be involved. I mean... Yeah, Ahsoka could be involved because she's going to have lightsabers to duel against the Darksaber. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so either Moff Moff Gideon is and nobody knows it, or there's someone that's going to show up like, I don't know, uh, an Inquisitor that went underground before, you know, crap hit the fan, or, you know, kind of... Uh, someone that's pre the new order, you know, that's kind of like at the beginning of the new order type person. I, I, I don't know what it'll be, but I think we're going to see a pretty cool showdown with, with all those main characters in there. I mean, Bo-Katan will be there. Obviously Mando will be there. Uh, Yoda, baby Yoda will be there, you know, lifting up Gargants and things like that. So let's talk about the dark saber a little bit um, where it, came from how it ended up with Moff Gideon. So the Darksaber we learned in the Clone Wars was uh, back in the Mandalorian Jedi Wars, there was a Mandalorian Jedi and he created, he built his lightsaber, which Jedi's, which each Jedi does. And he built the Darksaber as his saber. And so he used it. And then when he was done, it was in the temple and some, I think it's someone from Death Watch even, went to the temple, stole it, and now it shows up for the first time in the Clone Wars with the character Pre Vizsla as he's wielding it and he fights Obi-Wan and some of the Jedi and things like that. So that's where we see it first. And then from there, Darth Maul comes back and he ends up overthrowing the Mandalorians. He works with Death Watch. And they take over Mandalore again. And he ends up, he kills Pre Vizsla and takes the Darksaber. And the Darksaber is seen as a symbol of rule. So he takes it to say, hey, I'm the ruler now. I'm in charge. So he has it. And then eventually Darth Sidious shows up and they he duels Darth Maul. And Darth Maul gets his butt kicked pretty, <laughs> pretty good. And he drops the Darksaber. But then his henchmen pick it up 
And then they go rescue him from the prison that Sidious put him in and give it back to him. And then they go to uh, Dathomir to fight uh, the Mother Talzin. And the Darksaber gets dropped there and remains there until in Star Wars Rebels, uh, Ezra Bridger and Sabine Wren go to Dathomir and find the Darksaber and take it. And then Sabine Wren, she trains with it and wants to learn how to use it. And then she ends up hooking up with her Mandalorian family and eventually gives it back to them, gives it back to Bo-Katan, who is the previous Duchess ruler's sister. And so she's going to rule Mandalore with the Darksaber. And that's in Star Wars Rebels, which is just a couple years before Star Wars A New Hope. And then... From there, we don't know how it ends up with Moff Gideon. That's yet to be told, yet to be explored. So that's where we're at with that. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, interesting line, kind of where it's go- come and gone from. And I know Justin and I were talking about this kind of before we recorded, is like, you know, why wouldn't Sidious ever take it? I mean, it's right there for his taking. I mean, he's got to understand the symbolism of it. And either he was so prideful or proud or just uh, beneath him, he didn't take it. I don't understand why. Uh, so it's still floating around out there. Um, I, I want to hear the story. And I, you, I think we're going to hear it this season, but I want to know the story, how Moff Gideon got it. Who the heck is Moff Gideon? Um, you know, where did he fit in all the hierarchy, you know, with Grand Moff Tarkin? Uh, you know, was he kind of, right there you know with grand moff tarkin where was he you know where was he stationed etc 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 there's so much fun things you could do with it and we we know none of it so uh i want to hear a lot about how this is going on and see the awesome showdown so if we could get to episode nine right now yeah (laughs) that'd be cool so that's that's where we're at with the mandalorian uh season two so far uh, what's been your highlight of this second season? Ooh, my highlight. Uh, I think for me, my favorite action sequence so far has been when the Mandalorians totally wrecked that ship and went through like, uh, you know, a thousand um, troopers. Like it's nothing because none of them could hit the side of a bantha. Um, uh, that was pretty cool as far as an action sequence goes. I think as far as, I like a good story. So the part, you know, where we get to learn more about Mandalorians was main. So, I mean, episode, the third chapter, chapter what 11 was probably, uh, my biggest one, but as far as cliffhangers are like, oh yeah, you know, that awesome moment when they showed, when they showed Boba Fett, right? You knew it was coming, but when it showed it, it was just, oh, this is real. Like, I, I knew it was coming, but now it's it's here and it's real. So those are probably my, you know, my favorite parts, depending on um, what kind of favorite part you're asking. Because they all have their different, you know, I don't know. They're different. Yeah. I would say those are the same. Just when they take that that mission and go attack the ship and get all the weapons and stuff, defeat all those troopers. Yeah, definitely. And then the Boba Fett moment was pretty cool. 
so we'll see we'll see where it goes um do you have any predictions for chapter the next chapter chapter 12 i predict it will be a mostly a filler episode <laughs> great i do i think something's gonna happen he you know like you know it's not just gonna be like where where do i go find ahsoka tana where she's right here okay and then he goes there and there's a Sokotan. You, it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen in any Star Wars film. It doesn't happen in any, you know, any show you've ever watched in your entire life. Something's going to happen on his way. So the kid's going to get kidnapped and two episodes will go by. Right. Something weird. Uh, so I don't know if we'll necessarily see a Sokotan on next episode. I want it to be. But if we do, it will be at the very end, like some silly door will open and she'll say something and you'll know it's her voice and that will be it. And I'm going to have to wait a whole other week uh, waiting for it, which probably won't happen because I don't know if it's coming out during Thanksgiving week, which means I probably have to wait two weeks and I'm going to hate it even more. But uh, so next, but I think next episode's mostly going to be like a filler type episode or like a story building episode, maybe as opposed to just a filler, um, something that's going to kind of set up what's going to be happening for the next two or three, like maybe we'll see Gina Carino come back in, right? Um, and them connect and, you know, just things like that. I just don't see us really seeing her next episode. Yeah, now that you say that, I begrudgingly agree with you. I don't want it to be that way, but I think, yeah, they're going to drag it out, right? So hopefully <laughs> it is one of those story building episodes that you mentioned where, Perhaps we see the backstory of Moff Gideon. Maybe that's, you know, on the on the table this season. So as long as it's good and it's not you're not left thinking, why did they show that when they have all this good stuff they need to show? You know, what about Boba Fett? What about Ahsoka? You know, as long as it's good and it builds the story, like you said. So uh, but hopefully yeah, I think Ahsoka Tano is gonna be two episodes, maybe three episodes out. Because, you know, he, his ship sucks. <laughs> it barely flies. So it's not like he can just take hyperspace to the planet that he needs to go to. You know, so. Yeah. Best bounty hunter in the galaxy, crappiest ship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought for sure it was done this last episode when it fell in the water. I was like, oh, that's it. He needs a new ship. <laughs> but. <laughs> no, that part was actually pretty awesome. I was laughing. Yeah. I was like. Cracking up, woke, woke my wife up. She's like, Mark, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's our thoughts and uh, impressions and takes on Mandalorian Season 2, Chapters 9, 10, and 11. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast. Definitely check out our other Mandalorian reviews. We have Chapters 1 through 3 up to this point, and we'll be doing the rest as the show goes on. So thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Credible Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Justin, a Random Inks production. Knows what happened, just real quick. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, one, two, and three. What do we think is going to happen in four after the ending of three? You know, he's going to go find Ahsoka Tano. You know, we saw what's her name in Rebels. She's kind of the unofficial leader of the the um, 
the Mandalorians. Yeah. And kind of like the like not really the history of the Black Saber, you know, because a lot of it's kind of weird. We just know the Mandalorian, but where it's been, right? Because we know um what's his name? They had it, and then Darth Maul went and got it and took it. And I think the last time I saw it is when he fought, fought Darth Sidious with it, right? Yeah. And then I, I didn't see it again after that. Yeah. That's because there's a comic that... So they canceled the Clone Wars just abruptly. So they had all these stories that they were going to continue to tell. And one of those stories got turned into a comic with Darth Maul. So Darth Sidious defeats him and takes him prisoner at the end of that episode in the Clone Wars. And so he, the comic is about how he goes to the prison, the Mandals come and break him out and rescue him, and they grab the dark saber and escape. So the Mandalorians took it back. Yeah. So they got it, but then they rescued Darth Maul. So they rescued Darth Maul, but took the saber. Well, they took both, and then they. Oh. So it was the, you know how at the in the Clone Wars he, Darth Maul was had kind of defeated pre Vizsla and he was the ruler and he set up his own Mandalorian death watch in positions of power along with that fake uh, ruler, the Mandalorian ruler who had was one of the senators or something as his puppet. And then he got captured. So that government was still in charge and they're the ones that came and rescued him and brought him back with the dark saber. No, actually so he dropped the dark saber during the duel with Sidious, and they picked it up, and then went and rescued him, and then gave it to him, gave it back to him. So, when did he get arrested? Like, because Ahsoka Tano saves him, right on Mandalore. Like she rescues him and frees him. Yeah, in seasons uh, seven. Yeah. So is that what happens? Basically, the Death Watch loses power, and what's her name takes over. So she had the dark saber, and then somehow Moff Gideon got it. We don't know how. Well, it's in yeah. We don't know how Gideon got it. Got it. But in Rebels, see how did it go down? Um, how did they find? How did they get it in Rebels? I don't remember. Yeah, I I don't know if I've watched too much Rebels. I was watching like there's a there's articles about the sequence which episodes to watch and i watched all the clone wars ones uh sunday i think then i didn't get to the rebels so I, that's where i left it but somehow the the rebels get it sabine gets a hold of the dark saber and she's training with it and then they go help the mandalorians back on mandalore and then she gives it to bo bo katan and then they who does Sabine, the one of the rebels, the Mandalorian teenage rebel girl. Oh yeah, and she wielded it. Yeah, so she was practicing with it, and then she used it for a bit. And then when they went and helped Mandalore and her family, she gave it back to Bo-Katan. And then how it got from Bo-Katan to Gideon, they haven't revealed yet. Yeah, it says she would eventually lose the weapon after the Great Purge. Yeah. So we don't... Whatever that. They haven't shown that yet. That's a newer event that they haven't really done anything with. Yeah. 
It says by circa 9, 9 ABY, so after the Battle of Yavin, Moff Gideon, who participated it, had acquired it. So he had it by 9 ABY. But it's weird that he would have it and like nobody knew. Yeah. My guess is, so when they when we left him in Rebels, the Mandalorians had took back over from the Empire Mandalorian, the city and everything. So they were back in control. But that was pre- episode four so my guess at some point the the imperials came back and took over mandalore again and then they got a hold of the dark saber somehow well it's kind of weird too that um palpatine would never just take it like this is mine yeah well it's just another lightsaber it's not like it's cool but it's not like any, any more powerful than another one yeah, but I mean, it kind of has the right to lead Mandalore. It kind of seems like that would be his easy way to like, oh, Darth Maul set up this Death Watch and everything, and I can defeat Darth Maul and kill his brother and torture him like nobody's business. So why don't I just take over Mandalore like he's done all the footwork for me? Yeah, yeah, he, he could have just stepped in and took over all the, the crime organiz- the crime syndicate as well. He He should have done that and then just left someone in charge to answer to him yeah like you know you could have put one of the inquisitors over it or or anything you wanted right when he, uh, but it, it almost seems like oh that's beneath me yeah because they need to control the separatists the republic and the crime lords pretty much any big organization he'd be in charge of and he could yeah add that to the mix yeah because darth maul started the the nine sons or whatever it is right Basically, was in charge of that whole group. Uh, Black Sun? No. Well, no, it was like Setting Sun or something weird Crimson like that. Dawn. Crimson Dawn, which was one of the most powerful fang- factions, like one of the top five most powerful factions, the crime syndicates. And so it's like, oh, here's this guy that legitimately set up like these these huge strength powers for you, and, and you didn't utilize it. So either he didn't know, or he was just like, man, whatever, it's beneath me. Yeah. 